Hey guys, good evening. Yeah, I will give、uh, everybody say three more minutes, and I'll get started. Meanwhile, I'm gonna post、uh, three links in the chat.、Uh, these are the materials that I'm gonna play、uh, during today's episode. Thank you guys for joining me. So guys,、uh, the first link I posted is about I called it the the Supreme Cat Fight, the fight between Justice Elena Kagan and Justice Sonia Sotomayor, and this is extremely rare: two liberal justices, two females fighting each other, like you know, men are fighting in calling rooms. Okay, go ahead and open it up. Just read that section,、uh, a, a Twitter version of the exchange between the two, which is made up by the author, but I find out to be hilarious. So the second link I'm sending is uh, uh, Devin Nunes.、Uh, he is the head of the Trump media, I believe. He is on Fox News、uh, today, complaining about nothing but the judiciary of the United States. I find out to be very, very rewarding to me. So I, I'm going to play that clip. So, but I want to post it for you guys' reference. And the last link I play,、uh, I post pasted is、uh, Jimmy Dore talking about this case.、Uh, it's called a, a Trump rape trial, and、uh, which is alleged by、uh, E. Jean Carroll, which I called、uh, it's a、uh, it's it's a case from a law I called the condom law, and so I'm going to play that piece later also. So without Further ado, I'm going to get started. The、uh, so first of all, we have a supreme cat fight, <laughs> and、uh, this is very very hilarious. There's、uh, two things very special about this particular case. It's about、uh, this musician Prince, and he has a photography shot by this photographer,、uh, by Miss Goldsmith. And so this particular creative artist used that photographies and made some creative arts. And、uh, this museum of this creative artist used it without the permission of this original photographer. So she sued. 
saying it's a copyright infringement. It's a intellectual property case. Usually, this case has no racial implication because the parties in this case has I don't think this racial minority. Goldsmith is a Jewish name. Uh, I do not know the origin of a Warhol, Andy Warhol, but I'm going to guess, you know, I don't think it's a Chinese or, or, or a black person or, or Hispanic person. I can be wrong. Correct me if I'm wrong. So it's a hilarious uh, uh, situation. Uh, and uh, because the, the court totally lost its decency. Okay. So let me get started with the first piece of news I want to share. Uh, apparently two more mass shootings. One in New Mexico one in Missouri. Uh, the one in New Mexico is a school shooting. The one in New Missouri is a, a bar shooting. And, uh, so we are catching up with the mass shooting this year. And it's a banner year for the, for the mass shooting. The second piece of news is about the, the Wyoming buying, uh, bans TikTok. And they ban abortions also, by the way. And, uh, I have said before, you know, the banning TikTok is absolutely a federal question. It's a federal case because TikTok is used throughout the, all the states. So you cannot have a one state banning TikTok and the other state where it's okay. Same with the abortion. If the government has problems that women is are secretly having abortions, they want to prosecute them, you have to do it nationally. You cannot just say, we're going to ban it in Wyoming, but we're not going to ban it in New York City or California. And the third thing I want to talk about in the news is this. Have you noticed? I have not heard anything about Tucker Carlson. He is supposed to be the icon in the mainstream media. He was fired. Everybody is thinking he's going to have a big comeback. I don't see it happen. There has been nothing coming out of Tucker Carlson. So I got not, nobody else to follow because I do miss Tucker Carlson because I do watch his video clips for his monologue each, each day almost just to, you know, learn his uh, hypocrisies. Now he's gone, so I have a. I have. I'm catching up with this Mary uh, Maria Bataromo. So I, you know, she is. A, I will consider she is another just a hawk, a racist hawk. Uh, but hilariously, he interviewed Devin Nunes today, and I want to play that for you guys because I find out the when a conservative activist such as Devin Nunes. On a racist show such as Maria Bartiromo's show, and they they talk about the corruption of the judiciary. That's just music, pure music, to my ears. So I'm going to play that with you uh, for you guys. Got one campaign paying for dirt on another campaign, and you've got the amazing intelligence agencies of our government weaponized. Uh, they're talking about the, the Doran report. Okay, the Doran report uh, is, I have not read it. I kind of expect to be similar to the, to this uh, uh, in, uh, Inspector General's report, which is published back in 2019. Uh, I think it will have a similar conclusion, which is true. However, there's a whole lot more, I believe. So here's the complaint about the, uh, from 
Devin Nunes. You're saying you knew nothing about it? You were President Obama's right hand. And a lot of people wonder how much President Obama directed this. So I ask you, did President Obama direct any of this? That's not how it works. That's not how our investigations work. But we leave that to the intelligence community to bring forward information. That was former President Obama advisor Valerie Jarrett with me back in 2020 when I pressed her about what President Obama knew about the Trump-Russia probe which, according to special counsel John Durham, was seriously flawed, and there was no basis or evidence to launch such an investigation, something my next guest, Devin Nunes, told us back in February of 2018, five years ago, he broke that news here on this program, that the entire Trump-Russia collusion pushed by Democrats, the DOJ, the FBI, and the mainstream media was a made-up story. Now we are learning from the Durham report that the FBI appeared to have made no effort in, at all in investigating Bill and Hillary Clinton over claims that individuals and foreign countries were attempting to buy influence through donations to the Clinton Foundation and Hillary's 2016 presidential campaign. Join me right now with Reaction is the Truth Teller. Uh, this bombshell uh, is going to be here, our topic for former House Intelligence Committee Chairman, current Trump media CEO, Devin Nunes. Devin, great to see you. Thanks very much for being here. Great to be with you, Maria. Your assessment of the Durham report. I think overall, this is a really sad day for America because what it represents is the total collapse of the justice system. A lot of people see this as, oh, FBI, intelligence agencies. No, no, no. This represents the entire collapse of the justice system. And it really, the Durham report reads like the tombstone for the justice system. And it would say something simple, like here lies the justice system, the justice department, and we knew there was criminality and we couldn't do anything about it. That's really what the Durham report says. There's a lot of great information in there, but nothing's been done. Well, why? I mean, why is there no accountability after all of these years? You knew it from day one. You came out with the Nunes report back in 2018 and walked us through how this was a made up story from the Clinton campaign. And yet look at look at where they are now. All of these people who were complicit in pushing this lie, whether it's Peter Strzok, John Brennan, James Comey, they've got big jobs at universities and they're writing books and they're on MSNBC and CNN as national security experts. Yeah, so the way you have to look at this, it's even bigger than that and all of those bad, evil characters. What this is really about, it's about the Justice Department collapsing. It's also about the judicial branch of government collapsing and the fake news media collapsing. Now, look, Maria, we, a lot of this we talked about on your show for the last six years, your viewers understand that. But I think you have to take a global view of what the repercussions really are here. Because, you know, the judicial branch, we, we, I just mentioned the justice system, how that's completely broke down. I mean, they knew about it, couldn't do anything about it. But how about the judges? Let's just take, there's three easy examples with the judges. You have the FISA court. They did absolutely nothing. The FISA court could have stepped in. They knew right away when I knew. They knew in 2017. And then for sure they knew in 18 when we notified them. Did they do anything? No, they covered it up. You also had the activity of federal judges as it related to General Flynn. Then fast forward and you got the Mar-a-Lago raid where you have a judge sign a, a FISA warrant or a, a search warrant. Yeah. 
Great point. Let's take a short break and continue. I'm with former House Intelligence Committee Chairman Devin Nunes. We'll be right back. Welcome back. And I am back with former House Intelligence Committee Chairman Devin Nunes, CEO of Trump Media. Devin, you were just going through the impact of what took place in 2016 and 17 with the Trump-Russia investigation and the collusion lie. Your thoughts on the fact that the FBI also completely ignored any claims that Hillary Clinton was accepting money uh, and influence peddling the way Joe Biden has been doing as well. So not only did they pursue these FISA warrants against Trump officials, they were ignoring anything regarding Hillary Clinton, right? Exactly. And that's why most Americans are saying, how can this happen? How can this happen in the United States of America? Now, as you know, I spent a lot of time abroad. I made a lot of friends overseas And I have gotten so many calls after this Durham report from people who are saying, what in the hell is going on in the United States? How can you you guys have a justice system like this? I think a lot of people were shocked. A lot of them knew me. A lot of them knew that I was telling the truth. But when you see Durham go through this exhaustive three-year process and actually come forth with all of this information, that in any normal world, there would be, there were so many crimes committed here. And, And remember, don't forget, that you had Obama. You asked me, what did Obama know about this? Well, the six, this was a, a stunt by the Hillary Clinton campaign in 16. It failed miserably because Donald Trump won overwhelmingly. Right. Then what happened? Obama was directly involved because he's the one that went back right after the election in 2016. He got all the intelligence agencies involved and they leaked out to the fake news media that, oh, the Russians must have done something and they were trying to help Trump. Obama did that, but Obama knew. But we now know from Durham, Obama knew and his team knew in August of 16 that this was a dirty trick by the Hillary Clinton campaign. Unbelievable. So I I think the question is, you know, where do we go from here? That's the real question. Yeah, right. where do we go? One thing we at least we at least have is our voice. And that's what we can do to spread that word. But I think the Congress is going to have to dive deep into this. Yes, for sure. All right. And Devin Nunes, great to see you. Thanks very much for being a truth teller. Okay. So if you hear it, uh, I'm going to stress this. Let, forget about his accusation by Devin Nunes that Obama is behind the Russia gate. Forget about that. You will think under our three branches of government, you will think the court will be the final gatekeeper to make things even reasonable fair right and his main complaint is that is the collapse of the judiciary and his complaint is that everything the deep state did to the to the trump team has been made known to the courts that include the Pfizer courts that include the regular courts that the prosecuted, uh, uh, presided over the prosecution of uh, Michael Flynn. It also relates to, as he's, you know, I, I talked about this before, about the judge who signed off the search warrant on espionage offenses against Donald Trump at Mar-a-Lago. And he has said his friends overseas, outside the United States, has been calling him, asking him what happened to the United States justice system. So what I'm trying to point out is this. Hilariously, now people like Devin Nunes is agreeing with me and this show that our justice system is absolutely corrupt. 
our deep state, our national security state has absolute power that nobody, not even our courts, can place a check and balance on them. So I find that to be very, very rewarding because, uh, because later I'm going to show you too is that the Trump people, the Trumpsters may keep on crying like that leader, Donald Trump, that I'm hurt. No, they spied on me. All this kind of shit. But they do the same shit <laughs> to other people. I have, I have one episode in the past. I called it, is the chicken come home to the roost? Everything go trickeries, legal trickeries, every lawfare launched against Donald Trump and his people has already been done to the racial minorities hundreds of years ago under the same system. So, so good for all of us. Let them suffer. Let them complain. Let them whine because, uh, hey, they are doing the same thing. And, uh, and, uh, I don't even believe it. The Congress is going to change that. I think we, the people have to change that by voting, by having national referendums, by voting out, by, by establish a term limits through our votes and all that. So, so that's Devin Nunes. The third thing I want to talk about, uh, the fourth thing I want to talk about, uh, my apology first. Today's episode, actually, I'm going to talk a whole lot more about the news, what happened, because just so many of them are worth discussing. The third one will be this cat fight on the U.S. Supreme Court. It's uh, Elena Kagan going after uh, Sonia Sotomayor. And I think it. this is a really, really good topic, uh, a title in the, in the link I send out on this reason.com is that Sotomayor and uh, Kagan quote, go back to school and quote each other in Warhol versus Goldsmith. They, these two justices are playing mean girls towards each other. Isn't that hilarious? This is once again is a demonstration. Our just, our judiciary is a falling apart. <laughs> There's no more grace saved everybody is like a, you know it's like a calling room okay it's just like a calling room sometimes everybody attach attack each other's personality and uh, there's another thing very special about this case which i never heard of this case again is called the Waldau versus goldsmith in this case if you download the supreme court decision which is a pdf file this is the first first time there are multiple pictures in a Supreme Court decision. This never happened in the past. You know, you would think pictures is something that are used, like a rec audio recording, video clips, pictures. These are something the lower courts, through a jury trial, you're going to show this to the jury, say, hey, here's the picture, here's my evidence, and all that. In this U.S. Supreme Court decision, Pictures are used in it, which I'll tell you, it shows something else, which is pretty hilarious. So before I delve into that, I just want to bring up this topic, uh, this concept called the judicial intellect. I talked about this before. Judicial intellect is the capability of a judge to dissect the issue 
to cut the chase, to get to the essence of each legal dispute. Okay, I respect this guy, uh, Anthony Scalia, a lot. Not because of his uh, so-called conservative view, it's because of his ability to cut the chase. Let go of all those, uh, you know, nick and dime stuff. Exactly what's the essence of the legal dispute. So I'm going to talk about a little history here. Elena Kagan was famously, which is attacked by Sotomayor this time around, in a case called the Yates versus United States. In that case, it's, uh, Yates is a fisherman of the coast of Florida. And uh, he apparently kept some undersized fish as a commercial fisherman and was caught by the, I think, Florida Fishery Department, uh, 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 which is representing, was representing the uh, federal authority. I think it's called the NOAA. So what happens is that the, the feds or the, I think the state, the Florida prosecuted this uh, fisherman, Yates, for falsifying fisher, fishery reports, meaning that he had kept undersized fish that he should not have. Okay, in that case, Kagan was also the dissenting justice. The majority ruled in favor of the fisherman. The majority saying, if this guy Yates threw some undersized fish off his boat, it is not as bad as a huge company such as Enron, Goldman Sachs, or AIG falsify their business records. The majority said, let go of this guy. Okay. Kagan disagreed. Okay. So let me read quickly what the majority is saying and what Kagan is saying. And then we can evaluate, uh, so I can illustrate what this judicial intellect thing is. The, uh, the majority says that the government overreached by deploying the financial fraud law against the commercial fishermen. The majority said that tangible objects as described in the financial fraud law should be read to mean documents or computer hard drive, computer hard drives, not undersized fish. Okay, so this fisherman, he threw off some undersized fish. Probably he want to cover up that he's keeping illegally some what he caught. Okay, the majority sided with him. Say, let this guy go. He's a fisherman. He's a commercial fisherman. He's not a big corporation. And the law itself, when used the word tangible objects, only means computers and documents, not fish. Kagan disagreed. Kagan wrote, a fisherman like John Yates, who dumps undersized fish to avoid a fine, is no less blameworthy than one who threads his vessel's catch lock for the same reason, unquote. So here you have a very simple essence of this legal dispute. The fish, the undersized fish, this fisherman throw off the boat. 
before the government's inspection. Should that be considered a tangible object in a financial fraud law? So that is a good example of a judicial intellect. You can agree or disagree. You can conclude differently with each other, but you can agree on the essence of the legal dispute. Is is this undersized fish an actual document or computer hard drives as intended in the financial fraud law? Because after all, the government is using this financial law fraud law against this fisherman. So that's example. Another example I want to tell you is which I mentioned before, which is very much against Justice Sotomayor in Trump versus Hawaii, where the Trump issued an executive order preventing some foreign travelers from some Muslim nations to coming into the United States. For that case, he won. And here is a good example how bad Sotomayor is. In that case, Sotomayor is a dissenting justice. She wrote a dissenting opinion. She alleged that these foreign travelers from these Muslim countries are the same with those who are interned during the Second World War. I was very upset with Sotomayor. I I was like, you cannot be kidding me here. In the internment camp case, the U.S. government rounded up the residents of a Japanese descent in the West Coast and sent them in the concentration camp. A good portion of them are born U.S. citizens. They are born and raised here in the United States. They are 100% different. They have a 100% different legal status from the foreign travelers from those Muslim nations. So when you are sitting on the highest court in the United States, you as a justice don't even know the difference between the two? Shame on you. Okay, so that's all about judicial intellect. Can you get to the essence of what is this legal dispute? Okay, and uh, the next example I want to talk, talk about is the Dobbs decision again. T- to me, it's the fundamental question is this. Is a woman's ovary protected naturally as a, you know, I- I- integral component of a personal sovereignty item? Is it that ovary protected by her white picket fences, the walls and the roofs of her dwelling, his his house, her her house, and her clothes? After all, she's wearing a cloth to cover herself and her skins. To me, a woman's ovary is totally inside her body. What will be the government's? How would the government be able to obtain her consent? To search her her ovary, how you can get a legal warrant to search her ovary to find out whether she has a fertilized egg in her ovary? I think it's very difficult to get. It's not about whether you are for killing babies or not. It's all about do I have a business in her ovary? Does government has a business in in her ovary? 
to, to, to answer you, my opinion is no. So, 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 so the, the last thing I want to talk, uh, no, so now let me get to this, uh, cat fight. So in this uh, website, uh, reasons.com, I like how they put it together. This, uh, Sotomayor and Kagan, quote, go back to school, quote, each other. At Sonia, apparently at Elaine, Elena took an art history class in college and an IP seminar in law school. IP stands for intellectual property and thinks she's an expert on everything. But we are following quote, actual, quote, laws here. At Elena, did you actually read Campbell and Google? Did you actually see Warhol's artworks? Warhol is not an Instagram filter. Hashtag, nothing comes from nothing. At Sonia, we are judges, not art critics. Goldsmith's photo and the Warhol's artwork serve the same essential purpose. A photograph in the magazine article. Hashtag no fair use. At Elena, we are not similar. Hashtag disembodied. Hashtag rotated. You are doctored the images to make them look similar in hashtag figure six. Hash, uh, exclamation point, hashtag wall gold, hashtag Neil, Neil Gorsuch here, and hash, uh, and at sign KBJ, uh, 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 Justice Jackson, the new, newly appointed justice. You two need to take a tweeted time out. Sonia, Elaine, uh, Elena is focusing on a case that is not even before the court. Hashtag sleight of hand. Hashtag misstatements. Hashtag exaggerations. Elena. Sonia's opinion are getting ratioed because of its ipsy dixie self ref hashtag self refuting. Sonia. And by the way, I actually litigated intellectual properties issues. Did you ever litigate anything at Elena? The chief, the chief justice. Yeah, I want to get in on this. I will join Elena's opinion, which gratuitously attacks a member of my court. Hashtag institution. So that's the back and forth with this uh, justices. It's a very hilarious rendition of the cat fight. Okay, now I want to quickly explain to you what this case is all about. Now that the essence of the dispute is this. The creative artist used the photograph to make up his own artwork. In the copyright law, you can do that under some something called the fair use situation. Fair use meaning that you're using the original material in a fair way that is not too similar to the original photography. You know, going back to this, uh, this uh, photography is about Prince, the musician. Uh, David Chappelle, you probably know, he has a, a Prince skit, uh, Prince playing basketball with uh, 
I think I forgot uh, with uh, geez, I forgot with the brother of Eddie Murphy. It was a hilarious uh, piece. Okay. Well, of course, David Chappelle is going to, you know, wear some makeup and all that. He will be acting like a prince, the musician, right? That is a fair use because any audience can easily tell that, uh, that, uh, David Chappelle is not prince. In this particular case, the artwork by this guy, Warhol, in my opinion, is way too similar to the original photography okay and uh, and and that's the essence of the dispute that is is this creative artworks by the by this guy Andy Warhol is so close so similar to the original photography then you can say it's not fair use it's almost like a copycat therefore it is a it's a violation of the copyrights of the original photographer. Okay. So in my opinion, Kagan's own words have defeated herself because the Supreme Court justice, as, as I said earlier, for the first time, they actually placed the photographer, uh, the image of the photography and the creative artwork in their decision. This was never done before. Like I said earlier, if the highest court have to exchange these photographer images in their decisions, it just means this. There is a dispute on facts. The fact is that we have a two sets of artworks. Are these two sets of artwork too similar to each other? That's a good question about the facts. It's, uh, it is judgmental, but it can, you can have a jury to decide that. The very fact that you two justices are exchanging these images, that means that you two are acting as if you were the jury. You should not be. You should send this case back to the lower court, say, just have a group of juries. Maybe you can select different artists to be sitting on the jury to, to look at these two sets of creative artworks. Actually, one is not creative. One is just photography. Just decide whether these two sets of copyrighted work are too similar to each other and move on with it. However, you know, these two cats, they wanted to make a fight out of it and it is hilarious. So that in a nutshell is, uh, is all the news. Quite a bit of them, but, uh, but I think it's, uh, it's uh, noteworthy. So let me now go to the real topics. The real topic for today is the condom law. Like I said, you condom is something you made for one-time use. You use it once and then you discard it. And I did not know about this uh, Eugene Carroll's case because usually I waited till everything is done and you will be appealed and you will be, you know, it just, you know, it will take its course. So I usually don't get involved until I saw this clip on Jimmy Dore's show, the YouTube channel. I would say, well, that is interesting. Uh, that is something I actually think I would like to talk about. And uh, I can find other situations where condom laws were made for a specific purpose.
Okay. I don't know whether you guys have lo- uh, watched the, uh, the, uh, t- uh, the, the, the actual clip or not. So I'm going to play it. Okay. Cause it's 20 minutes, but I think it's worth listening to this clip. You heard about Trump, right? So there was a civil case about a sexual assault that he did apparently in the 90s. I heard the walls are closing in. That's the all. Walls are closing in. And so he, he has to. They didn't say that he raped. So they said something happened. They said some some kind of sexual assault happened, but and he has to pay her like uh, two million for. Uh, can you look up what his damage is? Oh, five are? million total, right? Five million total. He has to pay this one. One for like defamation, and then for some damages. We'll give you the exact numbers in a second. But I don't. I, I don't really pay attention to this stuff, right? Um. I didn't pay attention to any of this stuff because it's all the same. That, you know, there's Bill Clinton with Juanita Broderick. There's Joe Biden with the Tara Reid. There's everybody's got these things in their skeletons in their closet. And this one seemed super suspicious. Way back when it came out. Right back when it came out. Yeah, right. It seemed suspicious. But it I says fu- Donald Trump must pay five million in damages for sexually abusing magazine writer E. Jean Carroll in the 1990s. Is that what you're looking yeah, for? Yeah, that's it. So five million. There's they split it up. Some's for the day for the pain and suffering and some is for the. But the, when and when I saw this, it's this guy DC Trano tweeted out. Did you know that the statute of limitations for sexual assault in New York is typically five to seven years? New York even has a twenty year period for civil claims of sexual assault. But that wasn't enough to get Trump. Gene Carroll's claims go back to the mid nineties. So New York amended the law. When did they amend it? In 2022. To provide unlimited statute of limitations for civil claims of sexual assault and provided a one-year window where pre-existing claims could be litigated. That's where Jean Carroll comes in. Funded by a Democrat activist, she filled, filed her claim against Trump in that limited window and even a liberal New York jury wouldn't find Trump liable for rape. People paying attention know what this truly is, another political attack to try and harm Trump before the 2024 election. So they really did this. Like, I couldn't bl- So I checked it. Well, first of all, I'll, give, I'll show you this. This person tweeted out and says, they literally changed the law for one year only from 20 for tw- from 2022 to 2023, allowing the statute of limitations to be suspended just so she could accuse him with zero evidence. And she goes on to say there can't be any evidence. It's 30 years older. There was no rape cut done. There's no police getting evidence from the scene because no police report was made. Not even any people interviewed when it happened. All there is is her story. It's 30 years too late to secure evidence. So there was no evidence. It was just her story in a civil case. Well, she... I watched your interview and she still has the dress. Remember, like, Monica Winsky kept the dress. I'm like, yeah. why did you do that? And, like, because that was her evidence to not be destroyed by them. Uh huh. It really happened. Right. So, Trump, like, well, we'll do a DNA. We'll offer DNA. No, I don't want to do that. Well, here, watch this. So, I, I, I'm like, is that true? So, I looked it up. And, because that guy linked to an article, and here it is. Forbes says, statute of limitations, this is from last year, statute of limitations on sexual assault eliminated for one year in New York. For one year they did this. This did this so they could exactly do this to Trump. And I have to remind people, everyone knows I'm no fan of Trump. 
But people who aren't a fan of Trump need to realize that if anybody from the outside attacked the establishment, if Bernie Sanders, I tell Bernie voters, if Bernie Sanders actually had the spine to grab power, which he doesn't, but if he did, this is what they would be doing to him. Stuff like this. They would be passing laws and find but that's a, they already they already said he was a Russian. They already said his followers were they said he was a sexist. They said his followers were sexist, misogynist and violent. <laughs> and they already did all the stuff they're doing to Trump. And they are. So they did. And so that's so that's why this is wrong. So they're do, I'm not again no fan of Trump and everybody should. But you it's obvious what they're doing. The last lawsuit they did to him was the exact same thing that that uh, D.A. in New York did the same thing. This is all because they are afraid that they can't beat Donald Trump at the ballot box. And this is so obvious. It's mental. Go right. ahead, Kurt. They're all saying it. That's why they're all on board for this bizarre. They so, so it's done now. The law. Because you're like, hey, there should be no statute of limitations. Never mind about what the reasons that we have that there shouldn't be. Only for that one year, and now we're going back to there is one. That's right. So that's the part where I, I can't, like, well, it's just because I would ask, okay, so what's this for? So they have a window, you know. So here's what they to, say yeah. it's for. You want to see what the article says? Here's what the article. Oh, shit. It's because of me, too, right? Uh, so what I thought they said was society's attitude has changed towards this. So now there's people that didn't ever come forward that now can come forward. Okay, great. And they will continue to be up. No, just no, for one year. Just this one year. I, I, just I this one year. On, it's real strange. So why only a year? Well, that's great, Kurt, because now victims of decades-old sexual assault can finally seek justice for a one-year window, and then not anymore after that. It is wise and in no way suspicious I guess at I, all. I guess I, I guess I wasn't thinking. Come on, Kurt. <laughs> So this is what Forbes says as a result of the, by the way, I have video coming up of this woman. So sit around as a result of the ASA. this is the assault, whatever act survivors will be provided a one year window. That's it. So this, I, that's true. So I looked it up and then it's going to expire. So after November of this year, you can't no, that's what they're going to put back in the statute of limitations wow. at no, and November that it's over after we got Trump on a civil. And so, but why was she able to get to court so quickly? Well, the ASA additionally grants trial preference to such actions and directs the chief administrator of the courts to promulgate rules that enable the revived actions to be adjudicated. In a, so they did, the, so they passed the law written specifically to get Donald Trump right before the election. And they did it. And then gave it trial preference. That's part of the law. This one. Yes. And they had to give it trial. So they had to put that in the law, too, that they had to speedily get this trial to, to, to court. And what they other did. trials besides this one have gone through? I wonder. I, I wonder how many. Uh, I've, I tried to find it. Couldn't find that number. The measure is just the most recent. This is what Forbes says. That it, this is, it says the measure is just the most recent action by the state of New York to give sexual abuse survivors some time to process before determining the next course of action. What? So this is just the latest measure and most recent action by the Democratic and establishment to try to screw Donald Trump before he runs for office again because they know they're so corrupt that people are still willing to vote for a game show host over their chosen candidates because they know they're the same. They know we have a unit party. They've known this since 1990, and I think it's just now it's, it's over. And the fact that people are willing to vote for a clown like Trump 
because of the because the system is actually more corrupt than he is. Get this. So they go on CNN this morning. I think this was this morning. Her and her lawyer, and her lawyer admits that she was instrumental in getting this law passed. Watch this. Can I end on something that I think um, is really important in all of this? And it's the fact that New York passed this law, yeah. the Adult Survivors Act. They passed it just a few years ago. Were it not but, for that law? No, yes, last year. <laughs> not just a few years ago, last year. And it's only for one year. It's almost over. <laughs> it's almost, yes. Jesus Christ. Uh, never would have been able to bring this case. And I just think it speaks to the importance for a lot of other survivors. Exactly. This would never, I would never have this window, this year of having the ability mm. uh, to bring a lawsuit for rape. Robbie can explain it better. Well, EJ actually helped to get that law passed. It passed last year. Uh, we filed, uh, it was Thanksgiving Day, it was the first day you could sue. We filed it for your just after midnight on Thanksgiving. How do you file a lawsuit at midnight? I don't do, do you do that? I'm guessing electronically because the court's not open at midnight, right? Yeah, probably. Anyway, I just think that's wild. So I want to pause here, just remind everybody. I think her lawyer has said the victim, E. Jean Carroll herself, lobbied to have this law passed called the Survivor uh, Adult Survivors Act, ASA. Okay, I want to emphasize that. This is when they are interviewed on the CNN. The plaintiff herself lobbied to pass this law to lift the statute of limitation. So, but here she was. So, so now you know what they did. Uh, now, now you know. That they they that that last guy that Bragg what was that was the DA Alvin Bragg Alvin Bragg completely just concocted a case that everyone knew was a joke to try to prosecute Donald Trump to, before he runs get for some president. Biden helpers yes. that came to help him had some Biden helpers come yeah. from the Justice Department we we logged log that on this show we were the only show to log that by the <laughs> way um, and so they then pass a law that lets this lady sue Donald Trump for something that happened in the mid nineties. And there's zero evidence of it, but they go into a civil case, so they make it so she could go into a civil case, and the juries are going to, of course, they're going to side with the woman, and they did. Anyway, I'm not, I, again, I don't know what happened. In New York, where I, they hate Trump, and they passed this law special for one lady? <laughs> they passed this law special for this lady Well, I, to I, do this. I would say hear her out, because I, I already, that's what, the reason I'm like, no, is because I've listened to her many times, and every time I'm like, what? Isn't it amazing how much, so the Democrats passed that law, the ACE, that law that said you could do this. Isn't it amazing how much the Democrats care about sexual assault victims, Kurt? <laughs> I mean, God. I mean, except that one that accused Biden. Yeah, or, or, she's not a survivor. She doesn't, you know, they go, oh, this so survivors can come forward. Well, also liars, which is what you called Tara Reid. Right, they called Tara Reid a liar. They call her, you know, you hear that, they said there's Tara no such a thing as a perfect victim. I don't know what the hell you're talking about. It's either you're a victim or you were not a victim. I don't care how perfect. What does that even have to do with anything? Democrats thought they said Tara Reid was lying because she once made a neutral statement about Putin. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. So we knew she was lying about that uh, yeah. sexual assault rape from Joe Biden. Yeah. 
So, uh, so here's so here, here's a weird interview. Well, here's what she they said. They said Terry was crazy. They're like they she's kind of kooky. Yeah. Oh, oh really? Is she is she kooky? Okay. Is she victim? You don't feel like a victim. I was not thrown on the ground and ravished. Which the word rape carries so many sexual connotations. This was not. This was not sexual. It just it it hurt. It just what it just you know. Well, I think most people think of rape as a. I mean, it is a violent assault. It is not. I think most sexual. people think of rape as being sexy. Really? Okay, I'm going to stop right here because you got the idea. So let me. Because uh, uh, they're going to talk about whether rape itself is a sexy or not, uh, which is a little bit too cultural for me. I don't want to get involved with that. So I want to summarize this. First of all, I want to say this. I would say most people, my, me included, will believe E. Jean Carroll is a credible person. I believe her story. Okay? So that is not the question I want to talk about. My question is this. It seems to me, based on what Jimmy Dore reported, E. Jean Carroll lobbied to pass this law called the ASA, the Adult Survivor Act. She lobbied to pass the law. Second, she needs not to present any evidence to support her claim. I find that to be fascinating. I found that to be fascinating. Okay. Now, Jimmy Dore actually is incorrect because I Googled it on the Wikipedia. There are other lawsuits has been, have been filed under the same law. Basically, there's no statute limitation. Go help yourself. But I, I'm very surprised by two things. Like I said earlier, she lobbied. E. Jean Carroll lobbied to pass this law. As soon as this law is signed into if to be in effect, she filed the lawsuit. And she need not to present any evidence. She just need to tell her story. Once again, I believe she's credible. I mean, Trump is a sexual predator. There's no doubt about it. However, can you do this? In other words, can you really just make a one-time use of a, make up a law for a one-time use? I like this case because actually in the past, in our history, lawmakers did pass laws for one-time use. It's a, have a specific target. It's not about a particular crime. It's about a person, or actually a group of person, a racial group. I know that. Okay, so 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 once again, I want to emphasize this. I don't want to upset those survivors of a sexual assault. I believe Yi Jin Carroll is a credible victim. My question is that for. The time for the year, I think mid nineties, for what, when, what, when this thing happened, if she lobbied to pass this law, and she needs not to present any evidence because it's so old. This law is to allow very, very old case such as E. Jean Carroll's case to be brought forth. Is that a little bit uh, 
manipulative? No, I have said in the past, you know, there's a three tiers of a white privilege. The first tier is to make a law to go after racial minorities. That's the lowest level, lowest tier. The lawmakers may use their discretion. No one can challenge them to pass a law targeting a specific person or specific group of people. Right? And I've said the second tier is the enforcement tier. How laws enforced, where you can use discretions. The law enforcement can use discretions to enforce the same law, good or bad, disproportionately on a particular person. It could be Donald Trump accusing him of being a Russian assets or could be a racial minority groups, such as Chinese. And when all this happened, we're hoping the judges can uphold the equal treatment under the law. Right? As I have, a, I have broadcast earlier, Devin Nunes, she's already complaining, it's a collapse of American judiciary system. I, I agree with you. So this is what why this case got my attention. Now, I have said in my past episodes, as Thomas Paine has told us, as Malcolm X has told us, charters and laws take away our rights. Every time those lawmakers get overly excited to pass a new law, they intended to give themselves more power, give the law enforcement more power, give the judges more power. They are actually taking your rights away. Okay, so 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 now I'm going to give you some examples. The laws are, can be called the condom laws. They are intended to use ones, not to a specific group of people, and then most likely they will be useless after it achieve its purpose. The first one, the Indian Removal Act. It's an act to provide an exchange of lands with the Indians, Native Americans, residing in any of these states or territories, and for their removal west of the River Mississippi. The Indian Removal Act is a condom law because it's intended to remove the natives east of the Mississippi. As soon as those removal is completed, this law is no longer needed. It has a specific purpose. It's not about a crime being committed. It's a particularly, it's a racial targeting, basically. The laws are made for you, the Native Americans. And I'm going to take a guess. Remember, E. Jean Carroll lobbied to pass the law, as stated by her own attorney on CNN. Is that that true or not? I probably can do more digging to verify, but I'm going to say if her own lawyer says so, probably is the case. Meaning she 
Yi Jin Carroll went all the way up to Albany, New York, the state assembly, begging them to pass this law to lift the statute of limitation so that she can file a lawsuit against Donald Trump. And that's for that purpose only. And said, you heard, this law is only going to be effective for one year. Afterwards, nothing. The, 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 another law is also can be called a condom law. It's the Chinese Exclusion Act. Oh, by the way, before I forget, the Indian Removal Act must have some someone similar to Yi Jin Carroll's needs or positions. The Indian Removal Act must be sponsored by some people who have a interest in removing the Native Americans to the west of the River Mississippi. The Chinese Exclusion Act must have, you know, it's a law, you know, passed, passed, and it was preceded by, uh, by growing anti-Chinese sentiment and anti-Chinese violence, as well as various policies targeting Chinese migrants back then. The act, the Chinese Exclusion Act, is initially intended to last for 10 years, but was renewed and strengthened in 1892. And there's a reason why. This is what I heard, you know, this is what I read from the Wikipedia. The Chinese Exclusion Act were widely evaded. Meaning that there are some exceptions for diplomats, teachers, students, merchants, and travelers. I think the act, the main thing of the act is that the Chinese should never be allowed to be the citizens of the United States. They were widely evaded because uh, I'm pretty sure different people did different things, try to stay in the United States. But that is another condom law meaning it has the specific purpose. As soon as the Chinese are all removed from the continent, then this law will no longer be in use or in effect. Power off. And the third one, my apology, I think this is, is another Chinese case. It's the San Francisco Ordinance. The San Francisco Ordinance passed in 1880. And there got to be some people, basically this ordinance by San Francisco City Council is uh, state, state as, 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 as follow. It shall be unlawful from and after the passage of this order for any person or persons to establish, maintain, or carry on a laundry within the corporate limits of the city and the county of San Francisco without having first obtained the consent of the board of the supervisors except the same to be located in a building constructed either of brick or stone. Basically, this law in San Francisco 
He's saying, to operate a laundromat, you must be in a, either in a brick building or stone building. Otherwise, you have to apply for a permit from the government of San Francisco. You know, I actually use a more stronger word. It's called the white grievances. E. Jean Carroll has a grievances against Donald Trump. Nothing wrong with it. And she can lobby the lawmakers in New York State to say, please pass this law so that I can sue Donald Trump. And she succeeded. And because the case is so old, she needed no, she needed not to present any evidence for this lawsuit, which I never heard of, purely by her own description of the event. By the way, I still say she is credible. But I'm just saying this law is a condom law, meaning it's made for a specific purpose. Use it one time, discard it immediately. It's for a particular grievances. I know E. Jean Carroll is a white woman. You know, I have mentioned about Tucker Carlson before. He represents something called the White Grievances. The Indian Removal Act is a law by white grievances. It's a condom law. As soon as the, as soon as the Native Americans were completely removed east of the Mississippi, then that law is no longer in effect. The Chinese Exclusion Act is made a law made by white grievances. It's a condom law intended to use and be in effect until all the Chinese were to be removed from the United States. This San Francisco ordinance passed by the San Francisco's uh, uh, Board of Supervisors is intended to remove all the Chinese running the Laundromats in San Francisco. There gotta be some white grievances because uh, maybe some white people does not like Chinese running the laundromats. The next condom law is the Mumford Act. It's a law made for the open carry Black Panthers. The Mumford Act was a 1967 California bill that prohibited the public carrying of loaded firearms without a permit. It's named after a Republican assemblyman and signed into law by Governor Ronald Reagan. The bill was crafted with the goal of disarming members of the Black Panther Party who were conducting armed patrols of Oakland neighborhoods in what would later be termed cop watching. I like this term, cop watching. It's just like Malcolm X said, it's self-defense. Arm yourself. So the white cops or another white person, violent white person will not shoot you down. The Black Panthers garnered national attention after Black Panthers members bearing arms marched upon the California state capitol to protest the bill. So this is another condom law 
he has a very specific purpose to make sure those Black Panther members will not be able to carry a a web weapon to do do their protest. It's a, this this uh, uh, Mumford Act is very similar to the San Francisco ordinance I just mentioned. If uh, you are a racial minority operating a laundromat like Chinese, you need to get a permit from the government of San Francisco. This law is made to make sure you get a permit from the government. If you are a white person. You have an unalienable right to operate a laundromat business. In the Mumford Act, we require a black person to obtain a permit from the government. Again, if you want to do an open carry, if you're a white person, if you are a white nationalist, by the way, I always said our founding fathers are white nationalists. Nothing wrong with it. Each one of us. Has the personal sovereignty to be a nationalist, whatever nationalist you want to be. But here, the Mumford Act will require a black person to obtain a permit to carry arms around. It's always the racial minorities that must get a permit from the government to vote, to carry arms, to speak freely. So that's this is another. Condom law. As soon as the Black Panthers stop carrying arms, drop down their weapons, the Mumford Act will no longer be in effect. It will become a useless. You can discard it. The Fugitive Slave Act of eighteen fifty. It is a law made specifically for the white Northerners, because the Southern slave owners is hell bent that the white Northerners are instigating the runaway slaves, as if the slaves themselves don't want to flee to freedom. So, the powerful Southern lawmakers in the Congress was able to pass this law, Fugitive Slave Act of 1850. It is specifically passed to put the Southern,、uh, to put the white Northerners in a bind. The the uh the uh it's a part of the compromise of 1850 between sudden interests in slavery and the northern free soilers. The act was one of the most controversial elements of the 1850 compromise, and heightened northern fear of a slave power conspiracy. Well, it is a slave power conspiracy. The southern slave owners. Is accusing the Northerners is running a conspiracy to organize the slave to escape, when in fact the slaves themselves wanted to escape. So the law requires that all escaped slaves 
upon capture in the north be returned to the to the slave owner? Here's the most important thing. That the officials, the state officials and the citizens of the free states, the northerners, must comply and cooperate. Or else the white northerners will be imprisoned and fined. So the abolitionists nicknamed this bill called the Blood Hunger Bill. And according to Wikipedia, which I agree, which I actually go even further, the act contributed, the Fugitive Slave Act of 1850, contributed to the growing polarization of the country over the issue of slavery. It was one of the factors that led to the American Civil War. I actually say this is the factor because the Northern whites are now under the jurisdiction of a Southern slave owners. Their liberty of the white people in the North, their property, the white people's property in the North, are subject to the jurisdiction of Northern, uh, of Southern slave owners. But it is, a, an, again, a condom law because uh, had there been no runaway slaves, this law is not needed. As a matter of fact, I thought that the U.S. Supreme Court should have uh, allowed the southern states to secede from the Union peacefully, saying, okay, whatever fugitive slaves got away, let them go. You can keep your slaves, but we'll separate. But no, the southerners, they are pretty powerful back then. They will get, they demand what they want. They will say, no, 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 we need to fine and imprison the northern whites if they ever helped the runaway slaves. That is the factor that agitated the northern whites and started the civil war. And the last condom law I'm going to talk about is the what's on the table, the Code Restrict Act, the TikTok Ban Act. Remember I said all these condom laws you must have a white grievances to start with. So TikTok ban act, called the Restrict Act, is made for one single social media company called the TikTok. Now, who will be the representative of that white grievances? Now, who will be the Eugene Carroll of the TikTok ban act? Now, someone has suggested to me it's a Mark Zuckerberg. So, in other words, if the white laundromat owners is upset with the Chinese laundromat owners in San Francisco, they will be showing their white grievances to a San Francisco Board of Supervisors. And saying, hey, let's pass this law requiring all the laundromat in the wooden building, which were predominantly owned and operated by the Chinese, to have them, require them to have a permit from the government. 
Oh, of course, they always have a good excuse. It's for fire safety reasons. The TikTok ban is, of course, for national security. It's, again, all about your security. But you must have a white grievance person to advocate for a condom law. In this case, it's Mark Zuckerberg. Facebook is not doing well. TikTok is being tremendously successful. Uh, by the way, I just learned that uh, there's this uh, big uh, 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 impersonator. Uh, now I forgot his name. His, the first name is Matt, but I forgot his last name. He can impersonate 250 celebrities and politicians. It, it is hilarious. But he started his act from TikTok. You know, if you read the summary of the draft of this restrict act, it's clearly say this bill requires federal action to identify and mitigate foreign threats. Well, here it says very well, mitigate foreign threats to information and communication technology products and services. E example, social media applications. He also establishes civil and criminal penalties for violation under the bill. Specifically, the Commerce Department must identify, detect, uh, deter, disrupt, prevent, prohibit, and investigate and mitigate transactions involving ICT, information and communication technology products and services. One in which any foreign adversaries, such as China, <laughs> it is intended for Chinese. So you don't need to read the rest. Every other things that looks very, you know, kosher, it's actually it's a condom law. It's for a specific use called the, the TikTok ban act. In other words, the day TikTok ceased to exist in the United States, this law is no longer applicable. So I don't blame Devin Nunes earlier as I played, where he is also saying, the judiciary in this country is in a shithole. I know there's a lot of white grievances. You know, I'm pretty sure the Trump supporters will strongly believe that Eugene, uh, Eugene Carroll's case is just a, one of the many lawfares against their idol, Donald J. Trump. You know, you, you heard about this term lawfare, right? You know, uh, by the way, I know uh, Brady has accusing this guy, uh, Ari Alex, uh, he has a, a calling show called The Lawfare, I think. I like his show, but, uh, you know, Brady somehow is finding some allegation that this guy is involving some child pornography shit. I was like, you know, that, that's kind of a concerning, but I like his, uh, 
I know he's also like me. He's not a lawyer, but he talks a great deal about lawfare. Lawfare, as I'm reading the Wikipedia here, lawfare is the use of legal systems and institutions to damage or delegitimize an opponent, or to deter individuals' usage of their legal rights. I like it. Like I said, the entire history of American jurisprudence is a lawfare against the racial minorities. The only difference is that now the white people, specifically the Trump people, the Trumpsters, they are becoming the victims of lawfare too, which is kind of a refreshing. Now, as you probably know, there is a Child Sexual Abuse Survivors Act. If a child had been abused sexually at a very young age, it is, you know, it is justifiable to have a longer statute of limitation or even lift the statute of limitation when it comes to seeking remedies of childhood sexual abuse. Right, we, we are aware of the uh, cover-ups by the by, by Catholic churches of sexual abuse of minors in the past, and I know in the state of Delaware there was a law lifting the statute of limitation for child victim of sexual abuse to go after the abusers. But what about adults? What prevented E. Jean Carroll to report Donald Trump of sexual assault or sexual abuse back then? But after all, Donald Trump is 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 not uh, this guy. What's this guy? This uh, uh, movie uh, guy. Uh, damn, I forgot it. Uh, it's he's from New York too. I mean, if you are actress, you are constantly in need of a gig. A showbiz gig, so you submit yourself to some sexual advances by this uh, big movie producer. You are still an adult, okay? You can decide when you want to report the incidents or not. For Eugene Carroll, have a you know a, some kind of an infrequent encounter with a sexual predator. I would say yes, Trump is a sexual predator. And you never report it. I still believe your story. But for a adult to survivor act like this, I got so many, so many other survivors, adult survivors we can take care of. Here's an example. What about a adult survivor of a slavery act that gave reparations? To the survivors and their descendants of some compensation. Slavery is both violent, physical violent, sexually violent too. We can use some adult survivor act to deal with the reparation. How about that? And how about that if we, everybody's at, allege that Malcolm X, MLK, 
and JFK were all assassinated by the government of the United States. Can we lift all the statute limitation? Can the survivors of Malcolm X assassination, MLK's assassination, and JFK's assassinations seek compensation? By the way, without producing evidence, like E. Jean Carroll did to Donald Trump, will that a better will that be a better adult survivors' law? Will that law send you know that law need not to be a condom law because uh, it give it send a strong message? If a government commit a crime against a group of individuals or just individuals being a racial minority groups or being a civil rights activist or being the president of the United States, the government must pay up. I would say that can be a good adult survivors act. That's not used once and discarded forever. So, so that is what I kind of want to talk about today. I kind of to be interesting because uh, this condom law is not the first time being used for a political purposes, and I do have to thank Donald Trump. <laughs> The most entertaining president of the United States, and I, I'm, I'm not gonna say I want to see, but I expect more lawfares against Donald Trump, and I will use those dirty legal tactics to showcase that our justice system. Is as corrupt as it can a corrupt system can be. So that is in a nutshell what I want to talk about tonight. And uh, let me check the. Okay, Phil, not uh, not Phil. I'm sorry, uh, Fahim. Right, Fahim said, "You can still open carrying CA as long as the firearm is unloaded. In reality, if one is living in an urban environment." One wouldn't make it to the end of one's own block before the entire country's PD come at one with the guns. Yes, <laughs> I agree. Yes. Andrew says, "Check it out. What? Oh, 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 Stubby, are you saying it? It is it, already an hour and twenty-three minutes." Okay, uh, Andrew said no. It was definitely bad that the U.S. founding fathers were white nationalists because they were not in their homeland, and their nationalism required genocide to fulfill. That's true too. Yes, yes, that's true too. That is true too. Yes, totally agree. Uh, yeah, Maria Mat Bartiromo. Well, you know, she is one of those. Uh, you know. Uh, by the way, you know, uh, this is something I never mentioned. Erin, uh, what's her name? Erin, uh, I forgot her name, on CNN and the Maria Bartiromo, they're all from the CNBC, right? I think, uh, if I remember, in 2008, before the fi big financial crash, these people, Erin uh, Burnett and uh, 
and uh, Maria Bartiromo, uh, they are both. They were both in with the CNBC. Uh, I was like, uh, okay, you guys all failed to predict or warn us about the big financial collapse. How come you can be a good uh, correspondent now in Fox News and CNN? I mean, you've been producing fake news in the CNN. Now you're just, you know, switching to another mainstream media outlet and just produce fake news again. So I never respect the, this. You know, I just, I consider her is like a, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't know what to say. I, I don't want to say some, something like a too sexist, I, I guess. So yeah, that's pretty much all I have want to say uh, tonight. And, uh, yeah, I consider all these a condom laws and they are made for specific one-time use for this woman, E. Jean Carroll, to make a lawsuit against Donald Trump. Once again, I cannot believe, I hope that's not true, but Jimmy Dore says E. Jean Carroll do not even need, does not even need to present any evidence, like an email or letter Trump sent him. Whatever, everything is a she, her words. Well, I kind of, well, I, I'm trying to imagine what the trial can be when the accuser need not to present any evidence. I, I think I can imagine one. That's the TikTok hearing on the Capitol Hill. I did an episode for that TikTok, maybe, maybe two episodes on that TikTok hearing on the Capitol Hill. I consider that it's just like a high-tech lynching because the TikTok CEO is already guilty by accusation. <laughs> he can only prove his innocence. He's not presumed to be innocent until proven guilty. So it's the same thing here. So, uh, yeah, I, uh, I'm going to uh, close out, if nothing else. Uh, thank you guys for being here. And I think I'm going to do another Wednesday episode for the, uh, for this geopolitical, uh, show. And uh, I also invited uh, Amanda to be the co-host for that, uh, show. So hopefully she can come up with some material, materials of her own. And I'm confident in that. All right, guys, have a great rest of your evening and, uh, I will see you around on call in. Good night.